0: Well, for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. That's Newton's third law, except when it comes to prophets. Then it's not quite accurate because prophecy is not neutral. People either love it or they hate it. And because prophecy always pushes, people's reaction, of course, is to push back. So Newton got that part right. However, whereas Newton said opposite and equal, people tend to push back a lot harder than God pushed them. That's when the law comes into play. But sometimes, by grace, when God pushes, the people don't push back. Instead, God's word fills their life with mercy and grace. That's called the gospel. So who are the prophets in your life right now? And remember, a prophet is anyone who speaks the truth, not just a truth, but the truth. A true prophet is always pointing where we need to go, especially when we would either rather go the opposite direction or stay right where we're at. And true prophets know even though their message will not be well received, it still must be spoken. God told Ezekiel, My children are obstinate and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you must say to them, This is what the Lord God says. Now whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. God told Jeremiah, when you speak all these things to them, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer you. How would you like that as your job description? I'm going to send you to a bunch of obstinate people who probably won't listen. I'm going to send you to a bunch of people who I guarantee won't listen. And yet I'm sending you anyway. Little Hannah Joy is Nancy and I's 14th puppy or maybe 15th that we have raised with Hawaii Fido. Everybody asks the same question. How can you give them up? I mean, having those little puppies and living with you for sometimes as much as 18 months, how is it possible for you to give them up? And the answer is actually pretty simple. Once you see them with their warrior, once you hear the stories of what a trained service dog does for those individuals and those families, you can't not give them up. They're making a difference, sometimes a huge difference. And trust me, there are some amazing stories And so the bitter sacrifice and loss is sweetened by the joy of a life being restored. To be a prophet of God, and by the way, I sometimes consider those little puppies prophets because they are able to help people see a truth about themselves that maybe nobody else can, especially the person who they're speaking to. To be a prophet of God is only one, there's only one thing that's actually necessary. Proclaim God's word faithfully. That's the only thing in a prophet's job description. It's not about success or numbers or likes or anything else. Just repeat what God said. The problem is most of us are wired to measure what we do. We want and expect results. This has led to a lot of false prophets in the world. If you repeat what God said and nobody responds, it's tempting to fiddle with the message, to sweeten it a little bit. Like my mom used to coat the big pills with either chocolate or peanut butter. Now, the real problem is when somebody keeps the chocolate and peanut butter but gets rid of the pill or, in our case, removes God's Word so that the only thing left is the chocolate or the peanut butter. It might taste good. It might be easy to swallow. But it's not going to do you any good because there's nothing there. A prophet tells the truth. Now, the truth might be the future is so bright you've got to wear shades. But it also might be it's so dark that a million candles couldn't begin to illuminate it. A prophet's job is to help you see the truth for what it is and adjust your life accordingly. Notice, we do the adjusting, not God. So who are the prophetic voices right now? Who's making you feel a little uncomfortable, even though you know they're right? Who is helping you see the future for what you know it will be or can be? Who is speaking the truth to you in love and encouraging you to make changes that you know deep down need to be made, even though it's going to be very, very uncomfortable? Did you hear that? That's exactly what was going on in King Herod's life before his wife intervened with her daughter from the previous marriage. He would listen to John. It made him very uncomfortable, but he listened gladly because he understood it to be the truth. Before we get much further, we need to note that not everyone who claims to be a prophet is a prophet. I mean, there's a lot of people, both in the Bible and in our world, who say, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, or at least I want to be a prophet. God says, test the spirits, which is shorthand for make sure what that supposed prophet is saying matches with what God's Word says. This is why it's important to know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you're not going to know whether what that individual is saying is from God or not. There are a lot of people who want to be prophets. But as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, they're nothing more than a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. They're making a lot of noise just for the sake of making noise. Have you ever seen a prophet wanted apply with sign? I haven't either. I've heard a lot of people say, I want to be a prophet, but I've never seen anybody advertising for a prophet because, let's face it, you've got to have a gift prophets are chosen. The list of prophets who said they were too young, stuttered, didn't feel qualified, or just didn't like the people that God was going to send them to, it fills the entire Bible. And yet God said, you need to go anyway because I've given you the gift. Tag, you're it. It's one of the reasons I love old Amos. He's out doing his work faithfully repeating what God said when one of the government-approved prophets challenges him. Amos responds, look, I'm not a prophet. I'm not even the son of a prophet. I didn't even want to be a prophet. But since all of you government-approved prophets stopped listening to God, God had to send me. So by the way, if you go back to doing your job, then I can go back to my sheep and my fig farm. A true prophet is one who will do what needs to be done even if nobody's listening. Even if they don't get paid. Even if it's unpopular because they know it must be done. They point at the obvious and hope someone, anyone notices. And they keep pointing at the obvious until there's no one left who can notice or the world has thrown them off a cliff. More than any other language in the Bible, prophecy is designed by God to wake us up. It grabs us, shakes the -pia pia out of our eyes and focuses us on the realities of good and evil, of injustice and hope of heaven and hell. It moans and warns about the gloomiest darkness and then it sings and points at the first rays of light. It lays out the truth of what is, and it proclaims to us what shall be. The prophets believe stubbornly and relentlessly God is still willing to redeem us, love us, heal us, forgive us. They also know the alternative is worse than any words that they could possibly use to try to scare us. And so they sing loudly and continuously and point to the obvious, hoping someone, anyone will notice. For some, it's a warning. For others, it's a fulfillment of a promise. For all, it's a call to align our hopes and dreams with the reality of God. Prophecy is where the dreams of God and the needs of His people meet, and the result is heaven. To pay attention to the prophets is to allow God to align our dreams with His dreams and begin to live as a child of God. Prophets, in the truest sense of the word, are custodians and janitors, keeping the hopes, desires, and dreams alive while cleaning up the messes of the people. People often think of prophets as fortune-tellers, kind of like a weather app that helps you decide whether or not it's a good idea to plan a barbecue or a picnic on Saturday. But instead of helping you pick a winning lottery ticket or know that you're gonna who's gonna win the World Series, a prophet brings into sharp contrast the way things are, because of the way things were. And, Prophet says, the future is not going to be what you think or want unless changes are made beginning right now, because the past and the present create the future. This makes them the worst fortune tellers ever, because they say you are responsible for your future. How it turns out is completely, totally, and undeniably up to you. When we go to a prophet or fortune teller, we want them to say, look, you're going to be rich. (laughs) You're going to get a promotion. You're going to be famous. You're going to have 10 million views on your TikTok video. And uh, we don't want to hear any qualifiers like, well, if you do this or if you don't do that. We just want to hear their prognostications and then coast into whatever wonderful things that they've promised are going to happen to us. The prophets of God work a little differently. They announce, well, God has saved you. Past tense. You're already saved. And he has a place called heaven waiting for you. And, uh, by the way, all of it's yours just because God loves you. Then comes the repent part. But you're headed in the wrong direction, and unless you turn around, you're never going to get there. So back to Newton's third law. A lot of people, when they hear you're headed in the wrong direction, they push back against God. You see, they like the road they're on. They often believe, shouldn't all roads lead to both Rome and heaven? How dare God say they're on the wrong road? Why can't God simply move heaven so it's at the end of whatever road they're on? I mean, if he loves them, wouldn't he do that for them? And this begs the question, what do they think heaven is? I was thinking the other day about being homesick. Oh, no, I'm not talking about being nostalgic. I'm talking about actually being homesick because something was happening that I really needed to be there for. I remember planning how I would get there. Nothing was gonna get in my way. You could throw any obstacle you wanted at me. I would find a way around it because I wanted to know I needed to be at home and I wasn't gonna let anything get in the way. So how important is heaven to you? Do you long for the presence of God in your life? Do you know where you're going and more importantly, how you're gonna get there? Will you allow obstacles to get in your way? How much will you spend? And I'm not talking about money. How far are you willing to go? At various times and places, Christians have claimed various monikers like the chosen, the redeemed, the way, the body of Christ. And it assumes anyone who hears those things will understand what it means to be the chosen, the redeemed, uh, the way. And if we talk about being the body of Christ, that's a whole different category. But I'm sure most Christians understand what these words mean. At least they think they do. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not sure they do. We were chosen not to conquer the world with our intelligence, good looks, or holiness, but to serve and, if necessary, die for those that God loved. We have been redeemed from every sin imaginable, and even from a few that haven't been imagined yet. But that doesn't make us perfect. It just makes us forgiven. We might be the way, but that's only because we're following a billion footprints of the saints who've gone before us, and we are most certainly the body of Christ. But before we think that means, you know, this perfect, holy, and absolutely amazing individual, before that, we have to be bloody, beaten, crowned with thorns, have nails in our hands and feet, and we have to be dead and buried. But we are also risen, and someday we will be glorified when we get to heaven. And so to be the body of Christ, it doesn't mean that we get to sit on a throne and tell everyone what to do. It would be wrong to say that we, just because we're believers, listen to the prophets more than those who aren't believers. All of us, because of sin, push back, and often our reaction is more than the original action because none of us like to be told that we're wrong, especially, by the way, if someone or a whole bunch of someones are there and they hear that we aren't, well, who we say we are or want to be or pretend to be and yet it's actually the perfect metaphor a prophet's words are far more like the stinging banter between a couple who have been married a very long time and have a lot of history some of that history good and some not so good and while their arguments seem harsh and unloving nothing could be further from the truth because there is a love that holds them together see if the prophets really thought no one would listen that everyone was actually beyond redemption. I doubt they would actually bother to tell the world that they're going to hell. They would just let everyone keep heading down that same road. And they probably would even spread some of that fancy essential oils so that nobody on the road would smell the fire and brimstone. But That's not the way the prophets work. The prophets quarrel with the world is the same as God's quarrel with the world. The same God who doesn't want anyone to perish but all come to repentance Well, that's the same one that they work for. And that's why this is a lover's quarrel. John loses his head to King Herod. History says Amos was killed by the son of Amaziah, but not before he got to see his sheep and fig trees one last time. Out of all the prophets, only John didn't die a martyr's death. And Jeremiah stoned to death. Isaiah got cut in two. You know the words of Matthew 25, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. They don't seem to do justice based upon what these prophets went through. The book of Hebrews says the world was not worthy of them. But I don't think that's how they saw it. You see, they could see things that most people only dream of. Clapping trees, singing mountains, hearts of stone traded for beating hearts, swords beaten into plowshares, spears turned into pruning hooks. That is the language of prophecy once we get past that whole repent or else message. Repentance, as painful as it always is, is the only way to get to the clapping trees and the singing mountains and the hearts of flesh and the former tools of war becoming farming tools that brings in an amazing crop of love. And the prophets understand this. Stephen was one of the first deacons in the church, caring for the poor and the needy in the name of Jesus. One day he dared to remind the leaders of the church, by the way, the same ones that had had Jesus crucified, that God still loved him, wanted him to repent that it wasn't too late. Well, the leaders didn't take it well and they started to pick up rocks to throw at him. That's when Stephen pointed to heaven and said, look, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of, the God, of God the Father. And that's when the crowd lost it and started chucking all their stones at him. And just before Stephen died, he said, Father, don't hold this against them. Now it sounds like such a terrible way to die, especially for someone who was so faithful to God, except, and here, is why Stephen could say what he said and die with a smile on his face. The Bible records when the crowd got all hot and sweaty from throwing those stones and had to take their jackets off, they laid all their jackets at the foot of a kid named Saul. Yeah, the same Saul that later becomes Saint Paul. Now, Saul's first reaction was far beyond the original action. Saul literally went crazy with power as he tried to destroy the church and remove Jesus' name from everything. But even though he told the world he was sure of what he was doing, he couldn't forget Stephen's face looking up to heaven or those last words of forgiveness that Stephen spoke. Eventually, Saul stopped reacting, and the love of mercy and forgiveness of God filled him to overflowing. Yeah, and the world was never the same. Thanks be to God. And that brings us back to the original question. Who are the prophets in your life right now? And who are you the prophet for? Just because the motivation to be a prophet is love, I'm not going to say that you never grow tired of it. Either being a prophet to someone or listening to someone who says that they've been sent to be the prophet to you. But I will say that when it's all said and done, when you get to heaven, and the ones you love get to heaven as well, it'll all be worth it. It's kind of like that old couple that snaps and growls at each other, but also never ever want to be apart and each night hold each other because they know they were made for each other. It might be a different kind of love, but it's the best and most eternal kind. You see, those moments of grace when we stop pushing back and God's word fills our life with mercy and grace, yeah, that really is the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.